Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at Ireland, which is holding a referendum on abortion on Friday. And joining me on the line from Dublin is our correspondent there, Arthur Beasley, and here in the studios, Orla Ryan from the FT World Desk in London. Arthur, first of all, give us a sense both of the prospects for the referendum and the atmosphere in Ireland around it. Well, it's right down to the wire. There's a broadcast moratorium from Thursday. So both sides are really now in the final intensive phase of their campaign. And it's really very difficult to know which way it's going to go. It's fair to say that in most polls, the assessment is that the yes side to repeal the constitutional ban on abortion, which dates from 1983, most polls suggest that the repealers are in the lead. But there's a very large number of people in the middle who are undecided or who are not declaring their voting intentions to pollsters. Therefore, it's very difficult to know which way it's going to go for us that it's actually been a very heated and in some ways kind of unpleasant campaign. Yes. Now, interestingly, some people who, who've been involved in this debate going right back for decades, and this is one that has been going on now for 35 years in Ireland, would say that uh, things were more intensive in the 1980s. But it has, it's fair to say, become uh, quite divisive, and there are deep, deep divisions uh, between both sides. And uh, the temperature has risen in recent days as, the, uh, as polling day approaches. I mean, Orla, you, you were mentioning to me that you're watching it quite intently from over here in London, that are, that, and that, as Arthur said, this is an issue that goes way back, and you remember the first referendum. Why is this so uh, so compelling for you? Um, yeah, I was 12 or 13 at the time of the first vote, which is September sort of 1983, and um, it's really ingrained on my mind, I guess as a journalist, as the first big news story that I ever really remember happening. And um, it was just such a huge, um, it was just such a huge moment back then. I remember our priest telling people to leave mass now if they were going to vote for abortion, though actually at the time it was really a case, I mean, abortion was already illegal, so nobody would actually have been voting for abortion. But if you weren't going to vote to have the ban on abortion enshrined in the Constitution with the Eighth Amendment, he was saying, leave church now. I remember we had classroom votes on abortion. Everybody agreed that abortion was murder. I don't think I met anybody. I mean, I know I didn't meet anybody who was in favour of abortion or who had a voice, a pro-abortion opinion until I came to the UK in 1988. I mean, this was um, intrinsic to Irish Catholicism. And for a long time, Irish Catholicism was intrinsic to art, was an intrinsic part of, of being Irish. And even when there was the gay marriage referendum, even when the ban on divorce was lifted, um, all these other things, you know, the crisis in the Catholic Church, all of those things, I sort of always thought of being a separate to um, the a separate to abortion, which for a long time has just been, you know, we are, the vast majority of people in Ireland go to Catholic schools and you're taught, you know, you're given a very clear message or historically, at least you've been given a very clear message on, you know, that, 
you know, abortion is wrong. And I think that's why so many people are struggling with this vote. So for me, I feel it's so compelling because I feel that if the Eighth Amendment is repealed, then the the country I left in 1988 is completely different, (laughs) you know, is completely different now. And I feel that much more strongly about this vote than I do about the gay marriage referendum, which was which was um, a moment. But um, this feels much more intrinsic. And I think it, it gets very much into sort of lived experience. It's not something, you know, it's not something abstract. You know, you know, if you come from a large Irish family, the, these are things which on some the issue of crisis pregnancies and sort of the Catholic Church doctrine on, you know, sexuality and contraception, and all these things, you know, these affect mo- these have affected most Irish families. And the, it sort of it goes to the heart of sort of lived experience. And, you know, this will have um, so I feel it's part of that. I mean, I don't know. Sorry. I feel it's part of that sort of decades long reckoning with the kind of country we are and the kind of country we want to become. And, you know. So, Arthur, um, I mean, all has very much placed it in a sense of a debate about what kind of country Ireland is, how fundamentally Ireland has changed. Is that how it's it's uh, being seen Either by by voters or if or kind of if you like a narrower class of of Irish intellectuals as a kind of vote on the society, the kind of society Ireland is, and whether it's now inverted commas a modern country or, or still the old Ireland. Well, I'd, 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 I'd look at it in, in, in a kind of a different way. Uh, firstly, we, we know that in referendums that uh, people uh, oftentimes don't actually vote on the question to hand and that the, a referendum on topic A uh, would in fact be considered to be a referendum on the performance of government or whatever. This is a referendum on the substance, on the proposal that is there before the people. And in terms of the, the, the change in the country... Uh, it is the fact that every single party uh, represented in Parliament uh, has called for a vote to repeal. So in that sense, the country has already changed. And the question is as to whether the voters are now going to follow uh, the lead uh, of their political leaders. Now, I mean, that's not to say that there's an overwhelming consensus within politics. There are people on both sides of the argument, uh, in, uh, in, certainly in the major parties, uh, but... Uh, there is no doubt that it is quite remarkable in recent days to have seen the leaders of all of the major parties uh, uh, come out and to be campaigning uh, to repeal this 35-year-old law. How active is the Catholic Church, though, in opposing the, uh, the abortion change? I would say a little bit less active than would have been apparent heretofore in, in times gone by, but uh, the Church has made its view clear. Um, we have had uh, literature cir- circulated at Mass, um, uh, at weekly Mass on Sunday. We have had interventions by the, the hierarchy, but I think uh, the reality is, is that, the, uh, that the main voices in this campaign on the anti-repeal side have been uh, civic society groups uh, that have been involved for many years uh, in the uh, what they would see as a campaign to protect the Eighth Amendment to the Irish Constitution of 1983. One of those groups, the Pro-Life Campaign, has essentially been active uh, since the uh, 1980s when this issue first emerged uh, into Irish constitutional politics. 
And Orla, I mean, let's say the vote goes on Friday to repeal the amendment. What happens then? Is abortion then legal from the next day? I think what happens then is that the government is going to seek to legislate. And what it plans to do is to introduce abortion without indication, which is abortion on request or on demand, however you like to frame it, up to 12 weeks, with a 72-hour cooling-off period, as it were. And after that, it will be available for limited reasons. Life of the mother, that kind of thing. Yes, and sort of fatal fetal abnormality where the child is unlikely to survive, this kind of thing. This would put it broadly in line with abortion laws elsewhere in Europe. But I think while there are a lot of people in Ireland who feel uncomfortable, perhaps, with Ireland's current abortion laws, the jump from what is the strictest abortion laws in Europe, or one of the strictest abortion laws in the world even, to sort of abortion on demand or on request, or however you want to frame it, up to 12 weeks, is quite a big jump. So I think that sort of helps explain some of the undecideds. Polls suggest that people believe that in incidences of rape or incest or what have you, abortion should be available. But the idea that sort of abortion can be available more freely than that, that's sort of quite a big jump from the status quo. Mm. And Arthur, I mean, Orla mentions Ireland's unusualness within the European context. Putting it in a kind of global context, how many other countries are there, if you like, in the developed world that do actually ban abortion? Are there others? Certainly in Europe, not very many. One of those mentioned is Malta. I think the question here really is that this is a clause in the Irish Constitution which can be amended only by a vote of the people. And the reason that there was a campaign to put this into the Constitution in 1983 arose from concern amongst people on the anti-abortion side of the argument that Irish politicians would repeal what is a legislative ban on abortion. The proposal here essentially is to scrap the current amendment and to introduce an enabling amendment which would give Parliament the right to pass laws to allow abortion. So on the morning after all the votes are counted, if the vote is indeed to repeal, there is still a task at hand for the government to enact legislation, steer it through Parliament to provide for abortion. And that in its own right is going to be very tricky politically, notwithstanding the political consensus that we have amongst the leaders of all of the main parties. And all of finally, I mean, assuming, I don't know whether we can assume, but assume that it is a yes vote. You said earlier that that would be the final evidence for you that the country you left had changed fundamentally. Yes. Like I said, I have strong memories of the 1983 vote and these packed churches and being told to leave the church if you favoured abortion. You know, classroom votes where everyone agreed that sort of abortion was murder. The sense that abortion being something that, you know, you could not believe that any Irish person had ever had. Naive as that sounds now, that's certainly what I believed as a teenager. And the idea that this is now something which is being discussed where you have sort of women coming out, you know, on the front page of the Irish Times, it seems to me from reading the website on the front page of the Irish Times website, Side every day, there's a different woman telling her quite often horrendous story of having to travel to England for an abortion. You know, in a way, really, whatever the outcome, Ireland has changed fundamentally. OK, well, we'll leave it there for now. And we'll now all be watching the outcome of the results with bated breath, I guess, over the weekend. So thank you both very much. Thanks to Arthur Beasley in Dublin. Thanks to all Orion here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye.